We're, we're in the middle of a series for Advent, and we took some time last week, and we, uh, we learned about from, from Mary, uh, Mary, and today we're going to learn and unpackage this gift of a life lesson that we learned through the life of Joseph. So um, I'm going to be reading some scriptures to you. We put them in your bulletin in there as well, so you can follow along. And just to make sure I don't miss it, if you're here and you're our guest, we, we'd love to get to know you guys. You can fill this little portion out. You can rip it off, drop it in the offering plate by the doors as you leave uh, today. Or if you have any prayer requests, you can write those down there as well and know that we'll be praying for you. But today we're going to dig into this amazing gift that Joseph teaches us today. And what we're going to learn about is obedience. How many of you love obedience? Well, it's kind of a loaded question. We love it when people obey us, but do we really love to obey? You know, um, so it's kind of a, you know, there's a catch to it, right? And I want to talk to you about this great gift of obedience that we can learn from Joseph. Joseph, the more I, I kind of read up on and studied about him, I'm like, you know, he's kind of an unsung hero because you don't hear a whole lot about him. But today we're going to learn from him this amazing gift of obedience. And, and so let me read to you this first portion here where we, we start talking about Christmas and the Christmas story. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken, by, uh, taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to, Bethle to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child. Now, this is the very beginning of where we start the Christmas story, and it's, it's quite interesting. This is the story that we all love to hear, and you can almost see Joseph sometimes when we think of Christmas beginning. We think of Joseph walking alongside of the donkey, and you know Mary's on top of it, and everybody's smiling, everybody's happy. It's just kind of cinematic, right? It's, it, we can sometimes in today's world romanticize how some things look, even though they may have been more difficult than we, we first thought. But have you ever wondered what led up to that journey? Have you ever wondered what might be going through Joseph's mind as he's trying to make sense of it all? We're going to take a moment and just look at a quick video, and then we'll get right back to it. Don't look at me that way. I don't want to hear it. I mean it, Delilah. This whole trip is ridiculous and you know it. Oh, how's that again? How's 90 miles with my pregnant wife for one? And you're not the smoothest ride ever. No offense. What if she starts contracting on the way? Yes. In fact, I am throwing myself a pity party and you're invited, so stop complaining about it. Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't blame you. I blame Caesar and this whole head counting nonsense. Truth is, 
And I'm only telling you this. Under ordinary circumstances, I would love to make the trip back to Bethlehem. And see my family again, my, my uncles, my cousins, of course, Aunt Yael. But now, <laughs> how am I supposed to explain all this? Mary, Mary needed an angel to explain it to her. I needed a divine dream to get it. What am I supposed to do when I get to Bethlehem, huh? Break the ice over some matzah? What is my family gonna say when they see Mary and I together and she looks... <sighs> Doesn't matter. We have to make the trip to Bethlehem because I, way, way back, am related to a king. What do you mean I don't look like I have royal blood? It's true. I'm related to a king. And she is about to give birth to a king. And... You said marry her. So I did. You said name him Jesus, so I will. You said, you said he would be the son of God. Your son, you are too good to us, Lord. What was impossible to believe still <laughs> seems so impossible. So girl, you, will be carrying Mary, and Mary will be carrying the Son of God. And I will be carrying a lot, a lot to process. This little pity party thing stays between us, okay? Come thou long expected Jesus born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us, let us find our rest in Thee. You know, one of the things that he makes a statement in that video that I can't help get away from, but that which we believe is just impossible still seems impossible. You ever feel that way in life? When God speaks to you and you say, ah, that just seems so impossible. But we all know that we, we say it, with God, all things, all right, are possible. Amen. But when it happens to us and we're the ones that are questioning things, we can start to doubt a little bit. But it doesn't change the fact that God is God. Our circumstances may change. God never does. And so, it's possible with God. Now, we don't know the whole backstory. We don't know if that's really what happened. We, we don't know if there was a donkey named Delilah, okay? We, we, we don't know if, you know, if Joseph had a pity party, but I, I can probably venture a guess, yes. I mean, think about the enormity of what he was facing. Think of all the things that were going through his mind. And we tend to come up and kind of romanticize the story, but he had a lot of explaining to do, didn't he? Well, did he really? 
You see, God was even going to take care of that, as we'll find out in a moment. But there, at that point in time, there had to be more questions than there were answers. Imagine having to go home with your fiancé and explain that we've not been physically involved, but somehow I'm pregnant. How are people going to respond to that? Are they, oh yeah, sure, whatever, you know. They're, they're not going to believe us. How are we going to deal with all of this? And Joseph, uh, one of who I'll call an unsung hero that we don't hear much about, had to make a decision. Was he going to obey God or not? And that's the gift that we're going to unpack today. That's what we're going to focus on is this gift of obedience that Joseph teaches us today. You know, again, there was a lot more questions than answers, and he had to be concerned about how things were going to go. I mean, what, what are people going to think? Unlike so many other people mentioned during the time of this story, this Christmas story. I mean, Zechariah, we learned last week that Zechariah couldn't speak, right? So he knew that God was up to something because God zipped his lip. We know that Mary was pregnant and she couldn't deny what the work that God was doing in and through her life. The shepherds would have a, a number of angels that, that would appear to them. The Magi, remember the Magi? It says that they followed the star in the sky. And here's Joseph and he says, all I have is a dream. He says, there's this dream I have. That's it. And he has to trust God through that, hearing God through the dream. And maybe you've been in the same boat. You know, God has spoken to you. The, the question is not sometimes, was it God? I mean, we, we start that God, was that you? Are you speaking to me? When you know it's God, though, the next most important question is, is are you going to obey whatever it is that God has told you to do? It, it, it will always come back to that. And so Joseph, it says he had a dream in the Word of God. That's it. He had to trust what he was told during that dream while he was sleeping. And he had to trust that it was actually from God. Because for all he knew, he had some bad food last night. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it's indigestion. Maybe it's, you know, and he probably thought of these things, but he knew deep down in his very spirit that it was, it was God that was speaking to him. Now the next question is, is, is Joseph going to obey what God has to say? That's what it boils down to. That's what faith is. When God speaks, we do something with what God has spoken. Well, what if it seems impossible? Most everything God's spoken to me seems impossible or ridiculous or, or I, I can't figure out how to, to accomplish it. And I found out a lot of times God answers prayers in strange ways because he wants to make sure you know you don't get any of the credit. This only happened because of God. And, and so Joseph is struggling and he doesn't know what to do, but even in the midst of his struggles, he chooses faith. He chooses to obey. So it's, it's amazing, this quiet man, who we really don't know much about, may have been one of the most faith-filled people in the whole Christmas story. Well, I don't know, you got Mary right up there, right? With, with, with immaculate conception and all that. But yeah, you have that, but you also have a husband who's willing to go along with that journey and believe this is what God has said. And when God speaks, he simply obeys. It's an amazing story. He chose to obey God. And in doing so, he set an example for you and for me to follow. And so we're going to unpack three gifts, if you will, that we learn from Joseph in this story as we go through the Advent season that leads us up to the birth of Christ. And here's the first thing that Joseph teaches us. Write down, obey God in difficult times. Obey God in difficult times. 
Uh, here's kind of a loaded question as well. Anybody ever go through a difficult time? Well, we can raise both hands and a foot, right? We, we, we will all face difficult times. But the question is, do you obey God in the difficult times? Obeying God is challenging because we want what we want, right? I mean, if we're just going to be honest with and transparent, we want what we want. And what if God, when he, obedience is easy when what God is saying lines up with what you want. Can we agree on that? Okay. But what about when what you want and what God says don't line up? Does God still win? Do we still choose him? Do we still obey? He teaches us about obedience, especially when it's difficult. So if you're here today and you're going through a difficult time, you've got a difficult battle, you've got a difficult family, you've got a difficult job, you've got a difficult pastor, I don't know, you know, whatever it is, do you trust God in the midst of the difficulty? And are you going to obey him? That's what God wants to know. So here's a difficult situation. Joseph man of God, righteous, has a fiance that he's not slept with, and she's pregnant. But God said, and I'm sure there were people around going, oh yeah, God, uh uh-huh. And there was naysayers, and there was doubters. You know, a, a difficult situation would be Mary saying, God told me this is of God. You know, what did Joseph think? Are are you, you know, is there anybody else named God around this town? You know, he's probably had all these questions but they knew it was from God. They knew because God had spoke to them. And when God speaks to you, do you do something with what it is that he said? You see, Joseph was a man just like you and I, um, human. And he had another plan. We don't really talk about it much. We don't really pay attention to it much. But when he faced this situation and thought it was just incredible, what, we're gonna do, where are we going? You're what? And he had all these questions. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. We don't talk about that very much. Now, keep this in mind. He was, he's still a righteous man. This isn't him going, I don't believe you. I, I, we're done. I'm calling it quits. No, this was a man that was saying, I, I don't want you, Mary, to be exposed to all of the bashing you're about to take. Maybe it would be better if I just said that I were going to divorce, separate, let there get some distance between us so that, that God can accomplish his will and that'll be my way of helping God out. Have you ever tried to help God out? Huh? How did that work for you? Yeah, God needs a hand. I better help him out. This is a crazy plan, but, you know, thank God he's got me, right? You see, God didn't need help with the plan. What did he need? Obedience. He just needed flat-out obedience. So Joseph tried to come up with a plan. Joseph had a plan. It's a benevolent plan. He's going to slip quietly away so Mary's not exposed. He's not running away. He's actually planning to do a righteous thing. There's only one problem with his plan, and that's that it's not God's plan. And that's what's most important. It goes on and says uh, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people, the people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union relationship with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. I think one of the most powerful things or verses is right here, there are many powerful verses, but in this particular story, when Joseph awoke from his dream, it says that he did what the angel of the Lord told him. What did he do? He obeyed. He, he didn't hem-haw. He didn't call a council meeting. He didn't get on social media. He got up and he did something with what God said. During the most difficult time in the life of Joseph, God is calling him to be obedient to make sure that God's word is fulfilled. And God has not changed. He's calling you and I to be obedient as, as well. But it doesn't make sense, Pastor. I, I, I know. You know but, but, but I don't know how it can ever come about. I, I, I've been there. I've been there. I understand it. But what he wants to know is not what you think about the situation. What he wants to know is, is what are you going to do? That's what it always boils down to. You know, who would have blamed Joseph if he would have followed through with his original plan? I mean, nobody probably would have blamed him. Nobody probably would have threw a, threw a rock at him. The truth is, no one would have even known that Joseph had a dream and a visit from the angels. No one, most likely, would have blamed him. But obedience is not about how I look. Obedience is not about who's watching me. Obedience is not about how is this going to benefit me and my... No, obedience simply boils down to being willing to say yes to God whenever what God is saying bumps up against anything else. He's looking for flat-out obedience. Joseph is obedient because he is a righteous man who trusts God's plan. He trusts that God's plan is bigger and better than his. And I got to tell you, sometimes I've got some really good plans, and I think they're foolproof. You know what I mean? I, I, I mean, th this has got to be the way that God's going to work. And then all of a sudden he shows up out of left field, talking some crazy nonsense and says, follow me. The question remains, do I follow him through what I call crazy and what I call nonsense, not knowing that he sees the bigger picture and knows this is the way. Now, am I going to walk in it? And it's the same thing he does for you. Joseph found himself in this situation, and we learn how to obey God in these, these difficult seasons in our life. Um, because again, obedience isn't about, well, I'll obey as long as people are watching me so I can look good. It's, it's not about that. Uh, obedience to God is tough. Uh, sometimes it can be down, downright just difficult to obey what God is saying, but he sees the bigger picture. That, <clears throat> that baby that Mary was carrying in her womb would grow up and say these words in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. Peace. This is the, the very baby she's carrying is going to say that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, there should be no reason, there should be absolutely nothing 
you should know that can stop you. I've overcome the world. Well, you don't know my world, pastor. You don't know what my house looks like. You don't know what my home life is like. I don't, but I know him. Well, you don't know my workplace, and you don't know my supervisor, and you don't know my boss, and you don't know my, my crazy employees. Nope, I don't, but I know him. Uh, you don't know my finances, and you don't know what my doctor just said. No, I don't, but I know him, and that's why he says you always bring it back to him because he tells us these things so that we can know that he has overcome the world. No matter what we face, are, it's going to boil down to, are you going to obey God or not? Especially in the most difficult of times. You think you've got it figured out. You think you've got the rhythm. You get the answer to all the questions, then all of a sudden life changes. Now, I've used this illustration, but I, can't, I don't know who all heard it, but most of you know my story. But for those of you that don't, the, the what's the, they call it, the cliff note version is, you know, obviously I'm a pastor's kid. I, I grew up, but just because I grew up in a pastor's home doesn't mean I'm grandfather clawed into heaven, does it? Nope, I wish it did. Then I could go do whatever I wanted and he'd have to be responsible, right? But that's not the way it works. There's gonna be a day that I will stand before Jesus and he's not gonna say, I can't go up before God and say, hey, I'm his kid. He's gonna say, no, you're mine. And I better have it figured out in my own personal life when I stand before God. So, when I was younger, I made a lot of, uh, i got to make this, we're on video, so i got to keep it good here. I made a lot of boneheaded decisions, made a lot of mistakes, made a lot of poor choices by some of the grins and giggles. I'm assuming you've made some of those too, right? And then there came the time when, for real, for real, I gave my heart to Jesus. Now, that didn't mean I never made a mistake. That just means I got better at figuring out how, when I fall down how to get back up. But you see, when I declared Jesus is my Savior, he's my King, things started to change. And I asked the Lord, what am I supposed to do now? I'm 22, 23 years old. You know, what do I do? And God said, what's the last thing I told you to do? I said, you told me to go to, you told me to, go to Bible college and be a pastor, but you know, I, I, I screwed that up pretty good. And he said, hmm. I said, so what do you want me to do? He goes, what's the last thing I told you? I said, you told me to go into ministry, but Jesus, do you not understand all the stupid things I did? Now, we all know that God knows all, right? But here's what he spoke to me. I said, don't you realize all these things I did? And his answer was no. He said, when I forgive, I forget. See, that's what grace is all about. And I move on. I remember it. Other people remember it. But you see, I had to be willing to step out in this difficult situation. Am I going to follow God or not? So we moved. Uh, but before we did, we, I wasn't sure. I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a kind of person that thinks a lot before I act. And I'm married to a person who acts a lot before she... <laughs> Got to be careful here. We have an ongoing joke in our house. Uh, I'm more of a ready aim, 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 aim. And eventually I'll fire, Right? But my wife, many times we joke that it's ready, fire, aim. And so we make a, it, it's fun being in our house sometimes, right? And so we worked this all out. And I was like, I felt like the Lord's telling us to go to Bible college. And she happened to be going to Dallas, Texas, home of the Cowboys. And um, she was at a conference there. And when she came back home, she said, I really think God's calling us to go to this college. And before I could even think about it, I said, all right, let's go. And inside my head, I'm thinking, what did you just commit to? What are you talking about picking up and moving? You know, you need to aim a little bit longer. 
You need to think a little bit longer. I mean, how are you going to pay for it? Are they even going to accept you? Is this going to be an acceptable thing? And I was struggling with that, but this is where it came down to. I heard the word of the Lord say, go. Am I going to do something with what God said or not? It was difficult for me, and we, we ended up making the move. And here's the crazy thing. God came through. God provided for us financially. God provided for us for our schooling. We were able to get jobs so that we could pay for college as we went. But none of that would have come to fruition had we not obeyed what it is the Lord said. So you need to be able to obey even in difficult situations because that's what he's calling us to. Joseph teaches us a second lesson. And that's this. Number two, you can write in your outlines. He teaches us to obey in distant places. And just for clarity, I was not making fun of my wife. I saw some of you go, ooh, and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> um, obey in distant places. I, have you ever felt distant anywhere? Like in a relationship? Uh, maybe you have family that's halfway across the United States, distant, you know? We, we, we feel that distance uh, maybe, maybe you felt that distance in your relationship with God. He says, in the middle of the distance, make sure that you obey God in the middle of all that. Joseph is going to have three dreams, three visits from angels. And the first comes when he's, <clears throat> excuse me, the first comes when he's instructed to take Mary as his wife, even though she's pregnant. The second comes after the, the second dream comes after the Magi make their visit to see the Christ child. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter two. When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. And he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Now, Joseph could have had no idea what he agreed to when he said yes to Mary as his wife, right? He didn't understand what was going to take place and what all of a sudden, all the twists and the turns. Surely he just wanted to go back home and, and, and live his life. However, it wasn't safe at home. The Bible tells us that King Herod was killing all the baby boys in an attempt to destroy the coming Messiah. He had heard that there was a new king, a new Messiah coming that was born on this day. So he decided, I'm just going to start killing all of the male boys. And so that way I can eliminate my competition. And so that's why the angel shows up and speaks to Joseph. Joseph has another decision to make. Am I going to obey when I hear the Lord speaking to me? And I'm in a distant place. He, he got up and he had to move to a distant place. Um, the angel said, take the family to Egypt. Now, Egypt is not a safe place, but it's a safer place. This is a foreign land now for Joseph and for Mary and for Jesus, they're all refugees. They're seeking asylum for, from a tyrant who's trying to rule with an iron fist. And they're far away from their family and from their friends. And they have each other and they have God. That's pretty much it. But how many of you know that when all you have is God, you've got all you need? Amen? Amen. You've got everything at your hand, at your fingertips. How do I access it? Through obedience. It's simply through obedience. But sometimes distance creeps in. Distance can be physical distance. Distance can be relational. Uh, I, I was thinking of this when I was preparing the notes. Uh, how many of you know when you're facing a difficult situation or you've got to have a difficult conversation, 
you, you start distancing yourself a little bit. You'd rather not have this. I was 16 years old. I just got my driver's license. We were going to, uh, on vacation in Panama City, Florida, and I took my friend with me, Brian Dierks. And Brian and I are uh, heading down there. It's on our way back home, actually. Um, we had this old green station wagon, like you'd see Chevy Chase driving. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe not that bad, but, you know, old green um, station wagon. And we were at a hotel to stay the night, and I think it was in Tennessee. And I asked my dad, I said, Dad, can I take the car to the gas station and go get some, you know, some junk food? And he's like, sure. You know, wanted to be cool dad, good dad, here you go. And I'm like, yes. But what I didn't clarify is which gas station I was going to. I'm 16, I just got a driver's license. There is a gas station literally in the corner of the parking lot of the hotel where we're at. And then there's another one a mile down the road. Which one am I, am I gonna go to? Exactly. I mean, if I can walk here, I wouldn't need the car, but I need to drive, so we gotta go to that one. Problem is, is I wasn't paying attention at nighttime and road construction, and there was this drop off from the road to the gas station. And also unbeknownst to me that this particular gas tank must have been repaired before. It had a plug in it. And um, when I went off that, that little drop-off, I knocked the plug out. So me and Brian Dierks are jamming out to some Van Halen or something like that, unaware that all of our gas is spilling out the back as I'm rolling into a gas station. How ironic, right? Uh, I'm at the place where I need what they have to offer, but I have no way to hold what they have to offer. And we get out, and some guy's looking at me as he's taking a drag of a cigarette. Looks like you got a problem there. And I saw the gas, and I'm like, please put that out. <laughs> we got a big problem here. And um, I didn't know what to do. So obviously, I have to go get my dad, who's a mile back, thinking everything's going just hunky-dory in his world, not knowing that his son's making this journey. And my friend is walking with me. So as we were walking, we were all keeping in step. You know, he's walking alongside me. But the closer we got to my dad, the slower I started to walk. And my friend was actually like maybe 10 yards in front of me, and then it was 20 yards. And I, I still remember to this day getting off the elevator. And my friend's at the door getting ready to knock, and I'm still at the elevator just looking down there. And he's like, come on. I'm like, well, just, just hold on. Let's take, a little, let's take a moment and think about this, okay? And he looked at me as if to say, he didn't say these words, but, well, it's not my problem, not my dad. And he knocked on the door, and I'm like, you jerk, you know? My dad comes to the door, hey, what's going on? Well, dad, funny thing happened on the way to the gas station. <laughs> and I explained it to him, and he wasn't happy. I don't understand it, Mr. Love, 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 love. <laughs> Where was all that love? You know, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. Something happened that night in Tennessee, all right? I've never seen anybody stomp into their shoes before. Where's this car? About a mile down the road. You've got to be kidding me. There's a gas station right there. I know, because teenagers know everything, right? I know. And uh, I, I think the one part I left out was uh, in first service, is, and he didn't tell me until later, but he's walking along, and as he's grumbling and complaining, he stepped into a big mud puddle, didn't you? Yeah. He stepped into that thing, and his foot is soaked, and he's getting madder by the minute. But I'm okay because distance is my friend right now, right? Distance is my friend. And uh, so we, we get there, and to, distance is one of those things that when you feel like you've got to make a decision or you've got to do something, 
we tend to want to have a confrontation or a conversation or we, we tend to want to create distance. Sometimes we can feel that way with God if we're not careful. We let, the, we, we, we let the, the voice of the world speak louder than the voice of God. And all of a sudden, there's distance that starts to happen. He's still my father, but he's down the hall. He's still my father, but he's down the road. And, and there's not that close, intimate relationship. But you see, that's exactly why he came, was to be with us, to be with us. Now, to package up that illustration, because people are going to say, what happened with that story? I knew we were in the South because we met a guy named Jimmy Bob, right? And Jimmy Bob said, I think I can fix it. He goes, I, I, I know my daddy can. And so my dad said, well, go get your daddy, please. You know, and so he got out some Bondo. Have you ever heard what Bondo is? Okay, I didn't know what Bondo is. I'm not a mechanic. I don't do, you know, the working on cars. And so he got some Bondo and he sealed that thing and it held until that car went home to be with Jesus, okay? That, that thing, that Bondo just, I mean, that car rusted away, but God's word and that Bondo never did, right? And uh, so for my next birthday, guess what my friends bought me? They bought me a canister of Bondo. <laughs> I'm like, you jerks. The distance that I felt in that, you know, there, there's been times in my life when I felt distant from God, and it wasn't necessarily God's fault. It, it wasn't even necessarily maybe mine, but I felt that distance. And, and so the question is, is when I'm going through difficult times, and when I feel like there's some distance, the question that will remain on the floor that you and I have to answer is, will we still obey God? Will we still do what God has told us to do? I, I took you back to my uh, going to college when Lisa and I decided to do that. When I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, what's the last thing I told you to do? You may be in a place where you're saying, I'm not hearing the Lord. I don't know what, what, what I should do. Then let me ask you, what's the last thing God told you to do? And then here's the follow-up question. Have you done it? Because if you haven't done it, why would he tell you to do something else if he knows you're not going to do anything with the last thing he told you? What is God speaking to you? Whether it be difficult, whether you feel that distance, and then what are you doing to bridge that gap? The truth is we're never really distant from God. It's just a feeling. Again, baby Jesus, he would grow up and he would say this following, these following words, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. When you feel distant, like God's not around, no, it's, he said, I will be with you till the end of the age. Remember what the angel said to Joseph in his first dream. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's with us. That's the Christmas story. God coming to be with us. We may feel distant from him, but we are not. He showed up and he said that he is going to be with us to the very end of the age. So during this holiday season, if you feel distant from family, distant from friends, Hold tight to the promise of a Savior who says, I'm just a prayer away. I'm just a prayer away. Well, finally, lastly is this. Uh, Joseph teaches us to obey God in daily life. To obey God in daily life. Matthew chapter 2 says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life, they're dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that uh, Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, 
and went and lived in a, in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. God uses life circumstances and the challenges that we face in our everyday life to accomplish his greater plan. Amen? He just, he always will. Well, I planned this and, and I did, and I that, and I that. You know, God even knows when you're eyeing things, I did this, I did that. God's got a bigger plan and he wants us to be a part of that. See, Archelaus was a, a, a tyrant, even worse than his father. Uh, King Herod, uh, or, uh, Archelaus before his reign, had 3,000 prominent citizens killed. His reputation was ca uh, would cause fear for any good father or, or, or stepfather to think twice about bringing the Messiah there. So instead of heading home, they, they went to Nazareth and decided to reside there. You see, it was day-to-day -day obedience. The angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph and he went there. And in the day-to-day -day obedience in our lives, that's what builds the bedrock of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. In his most famous sermon, Jesus would say this, it's out of Matthew 7. He said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain, it came down, streams, they rose. The wind, it blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. So I ask you today, where is your foundation? Is it on the rock, solid rock, the word of God? Is your, is your foundation that uh, one of obedience, that you're going to do whatever it is God tells you to do? Here's what it boils down to. When God's speaking to you, ask this question, God, what do, you, what do you have to say? I don't know what decision to make. God, what do you have to say? God, reveal to me. Let me know. And when he speaks, do you have the boldness to step through and obey? Obedience is simply this. It's hearing what God says and then doing something with what it is that he said. Hearing what God says and then doing that which he said, that's what it means to simply obey the Lord. And that's a challenge for most of us as we just don't think about it on our daily lives, but he's calling us to a place to not get sidetracked by life, to not get sidetracked by work or family or friends or money or selfishness. Yeah, we have to deal with that. We, we enjoy that. We embrace that. But don't let it be some, become something that removes you from the presence of God. When you were a kid, I, did you guys ever do this? Um, did you ever make coupons for your mom or your dad, or maybe you had children that made them for you, and uh, they would be coupons that you would hand to them, um, you know, maybe as a Christmas gift or a birthday gift, and on the coupon it would say things like, hey, I'll unload one free unloading of the washing machine, you know, and they give you a coupon, or, or maybe they give you a coupon that says, I'll clean out the, the cat litter box and you only have to ask me once coupon, Right? Or maybe you'll get a coupon that says, I'll take out the trash. Or maybe you get a coupon that says, I'll, dinner's on me. I'll make the mac and cheese tonight, right? But it's a coupon. Either way, uh, you know, it's, we, we, we've either given those coupons or we've received them. And the reason we do it and do these coupons is it's really just, they're, they're, they're things, they're tasks that good kids want to do in obedience because of the love they feel for the parent. But it seems like a, a, a nice gift to tell mom and dad, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. 
without a hassle. Wouldn't it be nice if we could give God that kind of a coupon book rather than the kind of coupon book I get from my kids? This right here. We joke about this in our family. I have got, I have got coupon book after coupon book and none of them have been redeemed. And it's for two reasons. One of the reasons is they gave it to me and they said, Dad, we just love you so much. We're going to give you, for example, here, I've got a, I got a free two-minute each foot, foot rub from Sethy J, okay? He owes me. If you're listening, bud, I'm going to cash in one of these times. And then I get a foot rub coupon from Drea because they know I, I like, you know, foot massage, whatever. And then I got one here that says, a free from Andrea Faith, a free clean out your truck. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to keep a hold of that one, right? Here is a, a free date night with Drea. Here is a free watch a movie of your choice coupon. Here is a, another movie one, and, and it goes on and on. Now, this was a great gift. Oh, wait, I got one from Lisa here. Oh, man, I get 10 minutes of whatever I want. I'm going to... Oh, come on. She's... She's like, they're expired. I'm sorry. <laughs> Read the fine print. But that's what my kids would tell me. And that's exactly my point. Is my kids, I'd tell them, hey, I want to cash this in. And they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, Dad. I said, well, what's the matter? That coupon expired. I said, when? And they said, read the fine print. They said, it expires like 10 seconds before you realize, <laughs> you know, some nonsense. But the reality is too. So one of the reasons is, is they just give me a hard time. And, uh, but the other reason is, is I, I never really cashed in any of these coupons because in some regards, I'd rather have this. I, it, I don't know if that makes sense or not. And maybe I'm odd, which I, I already know I am, but I, I like the coupon because it means my child has to sit down and think about me. It means my child had to sit down and think about not only me, but what I like. My child had to sit down and think about not just me and what I like, but had to be willing to let it move them to action, to do something, to present to me as an offering, if you will. I love that. I love that, which is why I have a bunch of coupon books that have never been used. What if this Christmas you and I made a coupon book <laughs> and we give that to God? We take the time to sit down and write out the different ways we're going to seek him more the ways that we're going to be more obedient. Maybe, maybe you'll feel a little silly doing it, but what, what a great way to make a fresh commitment to him and remind yourselves of what obedience to God looks like. It's simply this. It's an offering of obedience. That's what it boils down to. This mystery man named Joseph, the righteous man who cared for Mary and helped raise the Messiah, seemed to show us one of the simplest lessons on obedience because when God told him to go, Joseph said, on it. And he moved. He didn't have to be a great religious person. He didn't have to know everything, that, how it was going to work out. He didn't have to be seen and respected by others to obey God. His story ends, him, his story, ends at Matthew chapter 2. We don't even read any more about him in the Bible except that he was just obedient to God. Oh, that the same can be said about us. Just simple obedience. One of the greatest lessons. Joseph seems to epitomize what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to somehow just 
embrace this. And then we're going to move into song. And it says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as a coupon, an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Amen, church?